Hello and welcome to How to Build a Village, a podcast about creating communities when you move to new places. I'm Jill Martin-Wren. Joining me now is Liesl McKenzie. She's an Australian novelist based outside of Sydney, and she lived in London for several years where she and I met. And I have her to thank for bringing me to all sorts of cultural and sporting events. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Jill. I guess it's um, really interesting when you move communities, trying to find your feet. So I think this podcast is fantastic. Well, I loved when we met in London and you were always so great about getting me out to shows, to Wimbledon, to walking around, really experiencing the city. So how did you go about making London feel like home when you moved there? Yeah, well, funnily enough that to me doing all of that, it was almost like the opposite of being home. Because I feel like sometimes, well, no, a lot growing up in Australia, you feel like everything is happening on the other side of the world. So what seemed to be a normal thing for Londoners and even New Yorkers like yourself, just popping to the theatre that happened to star Madonna or Matt Damon, uh, was a massive deal to me. I couldn't believe I was in this city where I had access to all this entertainment and these world-class sporting events, and I really wanted to take advantage of it. I didn't want to be like I was at home and just go to work and, um, you know, go home and sleep, then go to work again. I wanted to really embrace it. And so I probably did a lot more exploring um, than I have ever done at home, which is sad. Because you were so good at it, I just assumed that that was how you always were. Like the the Wimbledon tickets you got. Do you remember if you booked, because I remember I just queued up on the day. Had you bought those tickets in advance? Probably not, no. I think I remember the day. There's a Wimbledon loophole. And I remember thinking at the time, I really need to write a guidebook about Wimbledon because I have this sorted out. But it was more like... um, The first time I ever went, I think it was the year 2000 with my English friend who I'd met in Australia and she, her and I lined up for that day. I think, is it it the first Monday? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading nearly a whole novel because the line was so long. It took hours and it was an unusually hot day. It It was hideous. But I remember once we were in there, it was fantastic But what we found was people left early and wanted to give you their tickets. So once you had that in, people were, you you know, you could get into tickets to centre court because people were leaving and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I think the year after that she entered the lottery and we went again and um, I didn't, I entered but I I was unsuccessful. So we went to um, that that year and then we did the same thing we went up stood outside center court and I think a lot of the London natives who go if it's not um, maybe someone from England playing or someone they're not interested in they'll leave to beat traffic so you can get their tickets <laughs> they're really gracious about it so I think the year we went I saw you I think I may have stood outside and just I just can't remember but I I think it may have been a case of someone gave me their ticket to get in. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't 
know about that, but it's a really handy trick, isn't it? Because not everyone. Oh my God. So handy. Well, I saw um, uh, Venus and Serena on Santa Court, Martina Navarro on Santa Court, all these amazing people. And Santa Court was empty because everyone went to get the traffic and it was. Australians playing that they didn't want to see so yeah that was a really lovely um uh kind environment in there where people it's all tennis lovers so they're happy to give you their tickets if you ask politely of course I I went um with my son last year on like a ran I think it was the second Wednesday so it was much quieter we went in the evening and walked right in and a lot of the matches had already finished, but it was so nice that we got to see the ball boys and girls filing out at the end of the day and the crowd there cheered them. We, we sat oh, um, on Henman Hill for a while. It was just really nice to get the ambiance. And then they had some veteran matches going on. Like Martina was playing. We saw some of that. So it was just really, a really nice vibe, even though we didn't see uh, the main center court action. It was just great to, get some of the essence, you know, I mean, that's uh, what I really wanted. Yeah, you get a taste of it, don't you? I remember Mark Philippousis, was it Mark Philippousis? Playing Center Court. He didn't win, but my friend and I, who um, I was flatting with at the time, who's another Australian, um, this Englishman came up and, and he must have looked Australian. He gave us our, oh, his ticket. It was only one of them. So we timed ourselves. So Mitchell would run up for 15 minutes and watch and then come back down. And then I'd go up for 15 minutes and come back down. And we saw the grand final. It was awesome. Oh, that's amazing. I love that the Australian connection helped you. Maybe. (laughs) And what would you say was your cultural highlight of your time in London? Uh, Look, I, I did love Wimbledon and I did go every year. But I have to say the theatre. I loved the theatre there. I thought the the standard of the plays was amazing. But not only that, it was the the quantity. Like as soon as one closed, another opened. It was just like, and there were like five at the same time I really wanted to see. And they all had amazing actors in it. And, yeah, I, I for me, I think that's probably my, my biggest highlight. Yeah. Was, was there one show in particular that you liked more than the others? Yes, and it's one I think you didn't like as much as me. Um, this is Our Youth by Kenneth Lonigan. I remember that, and they kept cycling through different celebrity cast members. Yes, yes. So when I first saw it, it had um, Hayden Christensen in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, I can never, Ginny, Ginny, um, oh, I can't think of her last name, sorry. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. Yes. Yeah. And then Matt Damon, <clears throat> excuse me, was in it. And Kieran Culkin and, uh, uh, is it Rain, Rain Phoenix, Joaquin oh. and River Phoenix's sister? Because yeah. she was going. Karen Culkin at the time. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the other. There was another, uh, was Anna Paquin in it as well, maybe? Maybe she was the original. But, yeah, there were, like, three different casts that I saw. I loved that. I loved that. I loved his um, his writing 
in that. And I loved how you explained a couple of the New York things to me that went straight over my head. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, thank you. But no, I love that. And I loved um, Judy Dench, seeing Judy Dench and Maggie Smith on stage together. What, what were they in? Oh, um, so I saw Judy Dench in The Royal Family, which was loosely based on the Barrymore um, acting family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember her subtle timings were just hilarious and I actually lined up outside to get that ticket on the night and I was really lucky and then the one with Maggie Smith and Judy Dench I cannot think of the name of it but that was amazing it was just literally the two of them on stage the whole time oh that must have been amazing yeah it was really good and as I said we can't I mean, obviously with COVID, nothing has come to Australia, but usually in Australia we wait for things to be successful overseas, like the musicals. So Book of Mormons only came to Australia last year. Oh, wow. So, you know, we get everything five years after it's been on Broadway pretty much. Um, And, you know, we have a smaller population as well. So... Of course, they're going to invest in something only if it's been, you know, a commercial success. So we just don't have that access. And in Australia, we don't really get, oh, I just find we, we use the same actors all the time. The same Australian actors are in every Australian movie and every Australian play. And it sounds like I'm anti-Australian and I'm not. <laughs> but it was just nice to have that variety overseas. That's, and it's amazing what you can get access to when you're on your own, you know, that lining up the night of by yourself. I've done that. And it's, uh, it's so great, isn't it? Some things that'll be sold out. But if you have the time and the inclination to, to be in that line. Actually, that was my greatest London lesson is to do things on your own. Because I was before I went overseas, I was the type of person that would never sit in a coffee shop by myself. I would never go to an airport by myself. I would never do anything by myself. I would always want someone with me. And in London, everyone's so busy. And I mean, they are in Australia too, don't get me wrong. But over there in that environment, you know, you have to book people a month in advance. And if you really want to see something or do something, you just have to go and do it. You don't have to wait for other people's timetables to um, to go and do something. You know, you just have to to go and do it. So the first time I I went to the movies by myself or did anything by myself was going to the movies after work one morning. I think it was like a 10 a.m. session because I'd worked overnight. Mm. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like I can just (laughs) concentrate on the movie. There's no small talk. And after that, I was like, I built up to the point where I was traveling by myself to Europe, to the continent. And I would never, ever thought I would be that person who, who did that if it wasn't for making myself do things in London. That's, and, and what was it like then when you went back to Australia? Did you modify your behavior at all or did you keep that new independence? Yeah, I was still very much like that and I would still um, go overseas to Europe by myself um, a lot. And then I find though you, you start getting into old habits, but no, I definitely kept that whole doing things by myself and loved it. And again, at the same in Sydney, everyone's so busy that if you really want to do something and no one's available, you've just got to go and see it for yourself. And um, I, I find that really liberating because you don't have to ask 
a whole group of friends permission of when it best suits them. You can just actually just go and do it. So, yeah, I definitely brought that back with me. And would you has the theatre scene changed at all since you've been back in, in Australia? Do you know what? Since I've come back, I've probably been to two plays and about two musicals. I just don't, I don't go, no, maybe three musicals. Yeah, just, I, I don't know, like Kate Blanchett, when she took over the Sydney Theatre Company, she had some great plays, um, but I was always at work. My work increased quite a bit. So that was probably more the reason that I, I stopped going because of my workload and my job that I had. Um, but they're just a bit few and far between. So um, I also find the tickets a lot more expensive than in London um, and just not as accessible. Not as accessible in terms of ability to get tickets? Ability to get tickets, um, especially Sydney, Sydney Theatre Company, it's very um, a lot of members and they snap up all the good tickets unless you donate money or when you can donate money. Um, yeah, I just, I've just found it not as accessible, more expensive and um, the seasons are a lot shorter. It's interesting. I do think because New York where I'm from is um, way more expensive as well and you can get your deals, you can go to the half price booth um, or you do if you're happy because there's so much yeah. theater like in london if you're happy to go off off broadway then you you know you can see great theater at not as much of a cost but if you want to see the show like the the new hamilton or whatever everyone's talking about then yeah that's way more expensive in new york hamilton's coming to australia now. I thought it was already there. That's interesting. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, if we only got the Book of Mormons last year, I mean, it makes sense we only get Hamilton next year. I'm surprised it's come out so quickly, to be honest, in Australian terms. That's, um, oh, it's it's so good. I, I do. I think you'll you'll love it. Now if you've um Yeah, I really I think you might have sent me the link to the free yeah, Hamilton yeah, one. Over, yes. Because of uni work was pretty full on, but at the same time I was like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait to see it in the theater. I think I think that's a that's a wise call. Um yeah, it's, it's always it's always yes. best live. And so what so when you moved back to Australia, did you experience any other challenges just adjusting after you had been away for a few years? Yeah, I felt like um, this really sounds anti-Australian. It's so not. I just felt like my experience that I gained overseas wasn't really recognised. Um, and I know we were talking about it earlier, you know, by, you know, friends and extended family. But in the workplace, I felt like there was that care factor was zero. And I was a bit shocked by that because I thought, oh, I've, I've gone overseas, I've built up my career, or so I had thought, and then when I came back, it, I just felt like um, I was put in my place a bit because in Australia we have tall poppy syndrome. I don't know whether you've heard about that. Okay, so it's this famous thing here where if people, I guess the equivalent is getting too big for your boots, mm. 
Um, if you, we, we have to self-depreciate, otherwise you're not respected. So we have to, as a, as a culture, we, we downplay everything. So if you come back from, say, for example, overseas and you say what you've done, that's not um, received very well because it sounds like you're talking yourself up when you should be talking yourself down. So it's that tall poppy. If you grow too tall, we cut you down. We put you back in your place. So I definitely experienced that when I came back for sure. And I, it was just something I was um, hadn't experienced before. And, um, yeah, I was really shocked by. And I think that's why I love especially America and Americans because you can talk yourself up. You can say what you've done and put yourself out there. But um, culturally in Australia, you cannot. That's really, really interesting. And had you experienced that before? No, I hadn't. But I think that's because, you know, you just always talk yourself down while you're here because it's part of your culture so you don't even notice it. But if someone on TV, for example, said something, you'd be like, oh, God, they're a bit, you know, up themselves, a bit conceited. And so, you know, you'd have comments like that. But, yeah, I'd never experienced it myself. And it was the only thing that, um, yeah, made sense because someone told me, they're like, it's tall poppy. Of course no one cares that you've been overseas because it looks like you're showing off and you're not allowed to show off. So it's. Yeah, it's a really big cultural difference. And, um, yeah, so we, yeah. And I think that's actually one of the things that people from overseas need to be aware of when they come to Australia. And I just read a memoir um, about that. The woman was from Canada and it took her a really long time to um, get her head around the tall poppy syndrome and she couldn't understand why her university lecturer didn't like her because she was saying, but back home in Canada, I'm the top student, I'm this and I'm that. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that's the worst thing you could ever say. Whereas in another country, they'd be like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. But here it's like, mm, well, are you? Because now I'm going to give you lower marks because you said that. So. What, what was the name of the memoir? Do you remember? Oh, yes. And I paraphrased very, very loosely. It's called How to Be Australian by Ashley Blunt. Well, what would you say you miss most about London? I miss... Oh, so many things. I really miss um, the walking, the proximity to everything, like it's a compact city centre. I really miss that, whereas Sydney and Newcastle are more spread out. Um, I miss really unusual things that you take for granted, like in the Northern Hemisphere the sun doesn't go down until like 10 o'clock at night in summer, whereas here it's like, seven, eight o'clock, just little environmental things that you kind of take for granted. I miss um, not worrying about whether a spider in my house is poisonous or not. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I just, but I think, you know, after talking to you and reminiscing, it's definitely friends and um, like all those cultural events that you have access to in London, for sure. Although how great that you have access to the beach and I love Australia. I absolutely love it. And my family's here and I love them and I wouldn't live anywhere else. Um, but I think 
I don't know, you, you can always recognise what you like and what you don't like. Um, I think that's, I guess, maturity. If you can just say, yes, I like this, no, I don't like that. So I'm not saying I hate Australia or anything, but, yeah, I absolutely love the beach. I love the weather here. I love the easygoing nature. I love the opportunities that you can have. I love, love, love that if there's a sporting event or a concert, we only have 22 million people in our country, 22, 24. Um, you can always get a ticket to a grand final. You can always get a ticket to your favourite musician, whereas I think that was the one thing that shocked me actually in London where I was like, oh, there's like over 60 million people and you can't always get a ticket to things. Yeah, yeah, you really, you have to be enterprising, don't you? Yeah, and I think I just, I'd never thought about it before. And I think that was, I actually said at the time, the one thing I love about Australia is the one thing I hate about Australia. And the one thing I love about England is the one thing I hate about England. And that's the populations because there's good, good points and bad points for both. That's a really, really good way of putting it. Yeah, we won't have people touring in Australia because our population's so low and it's not worth their while. Um, although during the GFC, Australia didn't go into the recession, so I found, like, we actually had everyone coming over here to make money. But before that, um, you know, we miss out on a lot of events because it's, you know, our population's so, so low. But then if they do come out, we can get tickets. So, mm. Well, Lisa, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to no talk to this podcast and forward to seeing you in person soon. Thanks, Jill. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks to everyone who joined us on this episode of How to Build a Village. We look forward to seeing you next time.